Let's pray. Thank you for that, Father. For all the truth that was said in that video. Today is Good Friday that we remember your crucifixion. But Father, we know that someday is coming. Pray that you would open our eyes. Open our eyes to your word. Open the eyes of anyone here, Father, that does not know Jesus as their personal Savior, that doesn't have a relationship with you. Help them to understand and realize that you're about love, but you're also a just God, and you demanded payment for our sins. And your Son shed his blood for us. Father, we thank you. Thank you. Use use your word in our hearts tonight that we might understand you more and love you more and know you more. And that when we leave here tonight, people that see us would know that we've been in the presence of Jesus, that we've been in the presence of your word preached, that we've been in the presence of truth, and that we know that salvation is only in Jesus' name. There is no other way. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. This past Sunday, we um, began, and I, and I said I don't like to, to uh, simplify or What's the, I'm not, not even thinking of the right word now. We, we, we're putting the story into three acts, and I don't want to make it a play, but it's just for understanding. It's easy to, to see it that way. And our, the first act that we talked about last Sunday was, was Christmas, the promise. And we looked all through the Old Testament, the scriptures that talked about and foretold the coming of Jesus Christ, beginning in Genesis 3.15, when God said that, that Christ would crush Satan's head and Satan would bruise his heel. And that's just the beginning. And we went through Isaiah and, and all the way through and Zechariah and Malachi, and, and we didn't read all of them. We'd have been here a while longer than we were, but we, we got to Matthew in the New Testament. And the, the first act was that, that Christmas was the promise. And then we briefly touched on the second act, which was the, at the beginning of the week, uh, the second act we we call the Holy Week, and, and it was the beginning of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And then we had communion, and we touched on Thursday evening with Jesus and the disciples, celebrating the Passover, and, and then Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper and, and, and told them to do this in remembrance of me. And then we, we said we'd come back, and tonight and Sunday we're going to fill in the rest of the week. But Act 3 was that Jesus will come again in, in Acts chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. 
And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was departing, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And they also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come again, just as in the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. And Act 3 is... Christ will come back, the victor. He will establish the millennial kingdom for a thousand years here on earth. He will establish his reign. But it's all set up by this holy week. From before the foundations of the world, God had a plan. He had a plan for salvation. He had a plan for his son son to come and die for us. And he has a plan for each one of us. He has a plan for you. A very specific plan for each and every one. On Sunday, or yeah, on Sunday, we sang Hosanna. And we had the the cloaks here on the floor to represent as, as he came into Jerusalem on a donkey. As was foretold in Zechariah on a young colt. They saw him as coming as, as their Savior, as, as the Messiah they were looking for, but they were looking more for a political king. They didn't see him as Messiah. They, they knew he was someone special. They knew that, that he claimed to be the Son of God, and yet his own didn't receive him. On Monday, Jesus and the disciples come into, come into Jerusalem and on the way down through the Mount of Olivet and coming in the, the east gate of Jerusalem, they, they see the fig tree, and, and it's not bearing fruit, and Christ curses that tree. We won't get into all that. We're just going to kind of take you quickly through the week because any, any one of these could, could have a couple sermons on them, and, and you know you probably want to get home before midnight tonight. But he cursed the fig tree, and, and we see the next day as the disciples came back by again, they saw that it was withered and dead. But as they head into the temple, he chases out the money changers. He's, he's calling a, t- telling them that this should be a house of prayer, not a house of thieves. And that's Monday. Tuesday, they head back to the temple. They... Um, yeah, they, they come back into the temple and the, the priests and the, the, the Sanhedrin aren't real happy with Jesus for the mess he made on Monday. And somewhere along the line, I think he failed to, to read Dale Carnegie's book on how to win friends and influence people because he calls them snakes, son of vipers. He calls them whitewashed sepulchers. For that's who they are. They try to set up an ambush because they want to arrest him, but it wasn't his time. So he went, he went his way. The, the Bible just says he eluded them. It doesn't give us a lot of details on how, but he, he, he just went his way because it wasn't the time yet. They returned, Jesus and the disciples returned to the Mount of Olives, and, and Jesus continues to teach them through parables. And he's teaching them about the second coming and the final judgment. And it's on Tuesday that Judas Iscariot meets with the Sanhedrin to set up the betrayal of Jesus. 
Wednesday, Jesus and the disciples spent the day in Bethany. There's not a lot of details given in the scripture on what they did on Wednesday. Most theologians believe that they were resting, preparing for the Passover on Thursday. And Thursday comes and and Jesus sends a couple disciples to get the room ready and the rest follow. And Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Normally the act that was accomplished by the lowest slave in the household, you couldn't get any lower than that. And he did it to show his disciples how much he loved them and how much he cared for them. They have the Passover. The Lord institutes the the Lord's Supper in Luke 22. And he says to do it in remembrance of him. And we remember that each every time that we, that we have communion. Later in the evening, they go out to the garden of Gethsemane to pray. Judas betrays him. Peter cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant. Jesus picks it up and heals. And he goes with them. And his disciples scatter. And later that same evening, Peter denies Christ three times. Friday comes and there's all the trials, the the back and forth. And Pilate says, do you want Barabbas or Jesus? And they said, Barabbas, Barabbas. They wanted Barabbas freed. And when he referenced to Christ, they said, crucify him, crucify him. As the, the beatings took place, the mocking The struggle to get the cross to Golgotha. The man that steps in to help him carry it. His garments are are gambled for by the Roman soldiers. They put a crown of thorns on him to mock him. And around noontime, they nail him to to the cross. And as they're nailing him to the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. Darkness falls for three hours, and it was not an eclipse of the moon or the sun or anything like that. Darkness fell. God brought darkness on over the earth from noon until three. And right around three o'clock is when he cries out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The veil's torn in two, the earth shakes. That ought to tell us something. Now I'll start my message. (laughs) For those of you that know Jesus Christ while you're listening, pray for anyone that might be here tonight that doesn't know Jesus. Because that's why Jesus died and that's why we're here. Is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and to let those that don't know him know how much he loves you. And how much he has a plan for you. For each and every one. I shared last Sunday the, the, 
the scientists, and I think this happened probably about three or four months ago because it took them some time to figure it out, but they stopped the Hubble telescope in its, in its orbit for about three and a half hours. And you know what they found? They found between 120 and 130 galaxies that they had never discovered before. How big is our God, and yet how much he cares about you and me. And that's on top of the millions of galaxies that, that, that scientists are already aware of. How awesome is our God. Turn with me to Isaiah 53, if you would. Just want to let the, the folks from Angadine and Lakefield know that we are, as a church, praying for you guys and praying that the Lord would send you the right man to, to shepherd and lead your flocks. And I, nobody's praying harder than me because normally I share this with the other two pastors. <laughs> so we each get to, get to have a piece of, of this service. But tonight I get it all. <laughs> Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of the parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hid their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him, Jesus. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shears, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation who considered, and as for, excuse me, and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due, his grave was assigned with wicked men, and yet he was with a rich man in his death, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied by his knowledge, the righteous one, 
my servant will justify the many, and he will bear their iniquities. First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you are healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also died for sins once for all and just for the unjust in order that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Keep a finger here because we'll be back to First Peter. Hebrews 9.22 And according to the law, one may almost say, all things are cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. When the Sanhedrin and the Jews put to death Jesus, they put to death the righteous judge of the world. In their trumped-up charges, in their, their lack of seeing him for who he was, They murdered the author of life, the holy and righteous one. Each one of us is a sinner. Every one of us deserves to go to hell because of our sin. We deserve it. We've earned it. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin is a disease of the human heart. It affects our heart, our mind, our emotions, and obviously our bodies. In any of us in here look as good as we did 50 years ago, Right? Okay, you younger ones, say 20 years ago. (laughs) Every part of our being is affected by sin. And every one of us is a sinner. To turn our backs on God is a very dangerous thing. Because he has a plan for each one of us. And that plan, his, his perfect plan, would be for all of us to come to him. But we know that's not going to happen. But the, for those of you that are here, I want you to understand tonight that he has a plan for you. And that plan is salvation. Not, not because of what you can do. There is absolutely no Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. 
For by grace are we saved through faith and not of works, lest any man should boast. We cannot do anything to earn our salvation. He did everything for us. And on Good Friday, we call it a Good Friday because it was good in God's plan. But Jesus Christ suffered for us. He took on himself the sins of the entire world. Sins that hadn't been committed yet. Your sins and my sins because we weren't even around yet. That load was put on his shoulders on that day for us. What Christ did satisfied God's demands. What Christ did for us allows us to stand in the presence of God and God sees us as righteous. Again, not because of what we have done, but because of what he did for us. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No. Am I in the right one? I am the way, the truth. I am the way, the life, and the truth. Let me, let me look it up. This, this is what I get. And I know I know that one backwards and forwards. Fourteen, okay. Excuse me. Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. We must come to God the Father through the name of Jesus, through his Son, and through what his Son did for us. We must confess Repent and change. And repent has the the idea of that we turn away. We, We turn our back on the world and walk towards God. And something that I've shared with our congregation over and over again, and will continue to as long as I'm here, is that God knows that we love him by our obedience. How 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 do you tell another Christian? If someone says they're a Christian, but they're living for the devil and they're living like the devil, you know they're not a Christian. It's real easy to figure out. But there are some that maybe, maybe you know, got one foot over here and one foot over here. Of those we need to pray for and be careful of. God knows we love him by our obedience. Others will know that we love God by our obedience to God. To his laws, to his words, to his truth. Not man-made truths, but to the truths of the word of God. Back to 1 Peter. He bore our sins in his body on the cross. I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 24. That we might die to sin 
and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. We come to Christ, we accept him, we accept what he did for us. That we might live to righteousness. He died that we might live. That we might live to righteousness. Now, are, are any, anybody, even after they become a Christian and know Christ and love Christ and want to serve him, are any of us perfect? No. We still have that old sin nature. And unfortunately, we still sin. I always say the difference between David and Saul. They were both great sinners. But David repented of his sin and came back to God. Saul never did that. And that's why, that's why his kingdom was taken from him and actually given to David. Because David repented of his sin. David was an adulterer and a murderer. How in the world could God use somebody like that? I mean, after all, we're only gossips and liars, you know? Our gossip and our lies put Christ on the cross just as much as David's adultery and murder did. We need to understand that. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. We love the sinner, but not the sin. And thank goodness God loves the sinner. And he has a plan for each and every one of us. He died that we might live. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus Christ and what he did for us. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being such a great and awesome God. Thank you for what you did for us, that your son died, that we might live. Thank you, Father. And we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In closing,